This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House USA, the place where you get the chance to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders in America. My name is Nick Hoadley and I'm the CEO of Insurance Search. We specialize in helping insurance businesses grow and multiply their growth by attracting, recruiting and retaining the highest performing insurance professionals in the country. Each week in the Coffee House, we interview leading insurance business leaders and discover how they achieve their success, learn what advice they have for other aspiring insurance business leaders, and we discover what makes their business an attractive proposition for high-performing talent. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Rohit Verma, who is the CEO at Crawford & Company. Welcome to the show, Rohit. Uh, thank you so much, Nick. Great to be with you. Rohit, it's an absolute pleasure to have you in the Insurance Coffee House USA today. Really looking forward to hearing about the great work at Crawford, but also about your own career story as well. If we could start up on that point, Rohit, would you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit more about your career and the journey that's taken you to where you are now as the CEO at Crawford? Yeah, and I must tell you that if you asked me when I was graduating graduate school or college for that matter, that would I be in insurance, I would have probably guessed, no, that that no road leads there. So I'm an engineer by education. I'm a computer engineer. Then I went to graduate school for information management. And I thought that I would be uh, consulting to large corporations on how to build their dot-coms. But then in 2001, there was a dot-com bubble burst. And I had two options, either to um, not have a job or to uh, go into the insurance and banking sector, because the partner that I worked with at the consulting firm I was said that, you know, we can either have you in insurance or banking, or you may not have a job. And I said, well, no job versus insurance and banking. So I picked insurance and banking. And that's how I started my insurance and banking career. And I, I did consulting uh, for a long time. And then when I was done with consulting, I moved to Zurich Insurance and had uh, various roles at Zurich that ranged from strategy to finance, um, underwriting, distribution, general management, and then uh, leading to the COO for uh, Crawford & Company, uh, and then from CEO of Crawford & Company to CEO. So it's been an interesting journey. It's filled with lots of great experiences, lots of learnings, lots of twists and turns too. So you know, if I look back, uh, there are some choices that I made that led me here, and I don't know what life would have been if I had made different choices. Uh, really interesting, right? And interesting what you say about that, that dot-com burst, the bubble bursting uh, back in the early 2000s <laughs> brought you into insurance. Clearly, the industry is such a strong sector it's it's so resilient and we're seeing that now during the pandemic and as we come out of the pandemic do you see there is opportunities now for young graduates coming out of college or maybe people who've had their first job where they can actually see that stability within the insurance market and the opportunity there i absolutely think that look i i know because i have a teenager who's in college right insurance as a career sometimes doesn't doesn't appeal to people in college because the only view of insurance they have is either life insurance or what they've heard from their parents about you know auto or home insurance but i tell you that insurance is a fascinating field and there's lots of things that you can learn from it it's a great combination 
of business and technical skills that you bring together. I think from a career standpoint, it's a ubiquitous industry. It's everywhere. So everywhere in the world, you have insurance. So it's not something that is limited to a certain geography. So no matter where you are. Second, it's fairly resilient to recession, right? Because insurance is a major engine of the economy. Imagine if there were no insurance, planes won't fly, ships won't sail, cars won't be on roads, and we would have homes which would be uninsured, which means we would have to put a lot of our life savings away to make up for if there's damage to our home. So I just think that insurance is a tremendous industry. So we just have to do as an industry, a better job of educating. And imagine the breadth of careers that exist in in the insurance industry from being a broker where you are extremely close to the client, to being an underwriter, to being an actuary, claims adjuster, an engineer, a forensic engineer. I mean, uh, a legal professional uh, doing coverage and uh, claims litigation. So I just think there is tons of career opportunities in insurance in such a vast field. I often tell people that it's the largest small industry because everybody seems to know yeah. the other person. And you're probably only separated by one or two degrees of separation from other people in the industry. That's right. It's not seven degrees in the insurance industry. It's one or two. That's for sure. Roe, it'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, as we're in the insurance coffee house today, CEO at Crawford Company. What's the coffee that fuels your day for you in the morning? I'm not a morning coffee person. I love a good cappuccino. I was in in Italy visiting one of our offices where one of my colleagues reminded me because after lunch, I just wanted a great cappuccino. We were in Milan after a meeting and he said, sorry, Rohit, we don't really serve cappuccino in Italy after 11 a.m. We don't serve any coffee with milk after 11 a.m. So I didn't realize that till the time um, I actually visited, visited Italy. Uh, but yeah, I love a great cappuccino and I like it with a splash or a dash of cocoa on it as opposed to cinnamon. Oh, very nice. Very nice. A real treat there. Indeed. Rohit, I'd like to start by asking you about your first C-suite position. How did you break into the C-suite and how did you find that transition from your previous role, which may have been more technical or may have been more client-facing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my first role in the C-suite was the CFO of uh, of a small business unit at Zurich. I was actually uh, running strategy for one of the businesses. And as I ran strategy, I felt that for me to really influence what I was doing, I needed to make sure that I had a full understanding of how was the finance function working? Mm-hmm. Uh, how are we making investments? Uh, how are we deciding uh, what parts to grow? How are we doing portfolio management? And that led me to take on the CFO role. It also made me feel that I'll be closer to the PL because as head of strategy, while I defined the strategies, I was not as close to the PL and I was not as close to how the financial working of an insurance company was or a business unit was. And being in that function really gave me a bird's eye view of how an insurance company functioned. And I thought that was so critical for me. At that time, I had not thought about or decided that I wanted to run a run a profit center or or, or someday be the uh, uh, be the operating executive. Uh, I just wanted to learn. And that's and that's what's driven me throughout my career, just a desire to learn. And that's what led me to be the CFO. And I was the CFO for about uh, three years before I uh, decided that I wanted to actually try underwriting. So, But the, the CFO role was the first C-suite uh, role that I took on. And that, I think that learning and that education is, is such a great um, point of view. You can reach a senior position, whether that's within underwriting, whether it's within a broker, well and that next step you all you almost need to take a step back to learn about how the finances work how insurance companies operate to then make those next few steps forward so i think clearly there the the education and learning 
was a key thing. In your time in leadership, is there a particular achievement or something that stands out as the success that you're most proud of? Yeah, I, look, I've you know I've I've taken every leadership challenge as a way to uh, transform. Right, I feel that our role as a leader is to is to accelerate transformation. And as a leader, our work is never complete. And you, what your goal should be that whatever business, whatever function you take on, you leave it in a better place than how you found it. It's never going to be perfect because it's. Uh, I think that's in the journey that we're all on, which is to make things better. So that's the that's number one thing. I think where I feel most proud of, I had uh, just taken on the role of head of underwriting for a region which had one of the lowest uh, scores of engagement, uh, one of the lowest scores for uh, hit ratios, as we call that, as you know, in the uh, in the underwriting world as to how many, how many quotes you actually end up winning. It had a very high turnover rate. That region, after about five years of work in that region, um, it had better engagement than any other region in the country. It had it was number one or number two in terms of its hit ratios, quality of score, uh, relationship score with the brokers, as well as the retention was extremely high. So I feel very proud of making that transformation. But I think that my proudest moment is still at Crawford and Company, where I took on as a CEO in the middle of the pandemic, and how we as a team, not just me alone, but we as a team, have navigated the pandemic. Uh, prioritizing the health and safety of our employees, number one, closely followed by making sure that we meet and exceed what our clients and customers are looking for, while also driving a, a change in the culture, which is a lot more focused on empowerment and growth mindset is probably what I say is uh, what I'm most proud of over the last one year. And we're not done yet. There's a lot of work that we still have to do. So, so as they say, we can't open the champagne and celebrate yet. No, not just yet, but I think we talked earlier about the resilience of the industry as a general. I think it's been a shining light to other sectors and other markets out there and the, the resiliency and the adaptability that companies, businesses like yours have, have shown. Rohit, has there ever been a time in your career where you were overlooked for a position or for an opportunity? And how did you go about dealing with that? Yeah, it was, you know, I was, after being the CFO of a business, I was very keen on a running a profit center. I think um, having been the CFO and sort of having that front row seat or bird's eye view, as I said, I was very keen to run a profit center. And the first position that I applied for, uh, I was overlooked for that position. But I was very fortunate in terms of the feedback that I received. The feedback that I received was that I was um, you know, a guy who had grown up on the strategy side. I was a guy who was uh, then moved to finance. So my market relationships, my connectivity in the market was was not really there. And as we all know, that insurance is a very um, relationship-based business. And uh, so I was overlooked. But then I got determined that I had to build relationships in the marketplace. I had to uh, build a network. And, and I'm actually very thankful that I was overlooked for that position because it really helped me understand that to be a profit center leader, uh, all of the pieces, that was just not the financial acumen or the strategy acumen that is relevant. The uh, as, as we say in the business, right, it's not just the IQ, but it's also the EQ and the RQ, the emotional uh, quotient and, uh, and the relationship quotient that are equally important than the intelligence quotient. And and that RQ was a revelation for me. And I was um, not the kind of guy who was uh, you know extremely outgoing or uh, was uh, was actively networking, so it was something new for me uh, to undertake, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it ever since I, I started doing it. Do you think that setback actually 
opened up more doors for you in your longer term for you in your career? Yeah, I think so. I think that setback pushed me to develop something that I didn't have. Mm. And, and I think that having uh, the combination of uh, strategy and finance, but then also being able to build relationships, I think uh, all sort of completed the package, as they say. So I feel very good that, that I was overlooked for that position, which pushed me into, into the thought process. Those well-rounded skills are very beneficial in a C-suite role and a CEO role, like the one that you enjoy now. Rohit, how is Crawford adopting new technology or implementing digital change to meet and exceed your customers' expectations right now? Yeah, look, we've been an 80-year-old company. Technically, we've always been viewed as uh, one of the best technical companies out there for claims. Uh, over the last uh, two years or so, we have been rethinking our strategy quite a bit, and we've come up with a new vision for our strategy, which is to reimagine the world of claims and reimagine them by, by decluttering the most aggravating processes. And we believe that there are three pieces to this puzzle. Expertise, because you have to have expertise. Quality, because it's so important in our industry, and for that matter, in any industry, but in ours particularly, where you know, you're talking about pretty significant amount of money for some people. It, it could be someone's life earnings that you are that you are evaluating. So, and then the third being digital, right? Because we believe that digital is an essential element of simplification. Now, I am not a believer in that uh, technology or AI is going to come in and replace the adjuster. I, I don't feel that way. Uh, there are lots of technologies that have come in the past. I mean, look, when, when television came, people thought radio is going to go out of style, right? And I mean, and look at what's happening with radio, right? So I don't think that AI or uh, digital or data analytics, however you classify it, is going to replace the adjuster. I do, however, think that it's going to change the way we work. And that's what we're doing, which is figuring out ways in which we change our work. So as an example, we have, uh, if you think about an adjuster who goes to a house and measures uh, measures the house for damage and is measuring, you know, how wide are the door openings and what's how, what, what's the size of the roof. You had to have someone do that with a tape measure in the past. Now we can take eight to ten pictures and you can render a full three D model of that property within a matter of hours. So what used to take hours now takes minutes, right? And or what used to take days now takes hours. And I think that's the transformation that we're on. At the end of the day. Today, you can do pretty much anything with, with the phone in your hand. You can order groceries, you can deposit a check, you can order a car, you can buy a house. And I think consumers have similar expectations from their insurance provider. So if I have a claim, I still want someone to talk to. I still want to make sure that someone can reassure me that, I, that, my, claim, that my damage is covered, that my claim is going to uh, make me whole, as they say. But I don't want to wait days and weeks and months for it. I, I want to make sure that that gets done fast. And I think that's where the digital transformation is coming through. And that's what our focus has been on digital transformation, which is to simplify these aggravating processes in the insurance industry. Yeah, absolutely. We interview actually on our podcast quite a few insure tech leaders and it's great to see the innovation and new products which are coming out there to enable and actually to help the claims industry and one more thing nick sorry sorry sorry. just on that which is we've also we also feel that we don't have to be the creators of technology right just because we're using a Mm. technology that doesn't mean it has to be built in-house or we have Mm. to acquire the company we're doing a number of partnerships, mm. um, particularly how fast the industry is changing. We believe that sometimes it's hard for us to keep pace with that if we try to do it on our own. So we're building a number of partnerships with the best-in-class insure tech providers to integrate them into our solution space 
which we then take to clients. Absolutely. And a number of those businesses, they're very clear with us is that they're not insurance companies. They're not claims companies. They are technology companies and they're there right. to enable and yeah, to provide those efficiencies and to provide that technology to you. So I think that I think that's fantastic. Looking ahead now, obviously, hopefully we're we're coming out of the pandemic slowly but surely. What do you see as the major challenges ahead for insurance executives and how should they be adapting in order to be successful during these times? I think our biggest challenge lies in two places. One is talent. You know, we we just had uh, the chief claims officer of a very large, one of the largest global insurers uh, at our management team yesterday. And he talked about the average age being about 48 or 49 in his organization of some of the most leading um, claims technicians. Uh, So if that's the average, you can imagine which way the, um, you know, which way the bias of the overall age group is. Uh, and we have the same thing. I think our average age is something similar. And if you look across the insurance industry in the next five years, I believe there are estimates that 30 to 40% of the industry is going to be eligible uh, for retirement. So we have a whole tsunami of retirements coming our way. And I just don't think that we're adding talent to the industry at the same pace. In fact, I think we as an industry, if you look at the, the amount of dollars that we as an industry spent on training have come down pretty significantly. I don't have stats to quote, or I don't know if someone's tracking that, but just intuitively, I can tell you that the dollars which are being spent on training have come down pretty significantly. As a result of that, we're not bringing in new talent. And I think that's the biggest challenge for the industry. So I think some people think that technology is going to be disruptive. Mm -hmm. I think technology is going to be helpful because Mm -hmm. if we don't get technology, there's just no way we're going to be able to uh, close that gap. So I think that's number one. I think number two is that uh, we as an industry have to have a much more forward-looking, forward-thinking mindset. I think we often talk about the change that we want, but we're afraid of that change at the same time, right? So we're attracted to the change, but we long towards the past. I, I do think that we have to start certain things with a clean sheet of paper and say, okay, if we were doing this now, without actually having any knowledge of how it was done in the past, given what we know exists today, how would we do it? And I think that is a big challenge for us because we're so rooted still in the legacy, in the tradition of the industry that we're not looking at it with a clean sheet of paper. And that's one thing that we're doing at Crawford is that on a number of things, uh, we do sometimes feel, and I'll tell you, some of the executives come to me and say, we're swimming upstream here. Like no one else is doing it this way. And, And I keep telling them that that's okay. Right. There will be a tipping point that'll come mm-hmm. when the industry will look at us and say, wow, these guys are the pioneers. These guys mm-hmm. started it first before anyone else did. And, and I think the industry will see the light. Robert, thank you so much. I think that's such a great answer. So many things to touch on there. But I think that key part about talent, bringing talent into the market as people do retire is, is obviously that education piece like we discussed earlier the resiliency of the market i think will certainly attract more people to the industry but it but it is on us as stakeholders within the industry to really educate and talk up the industry as well as a great place to work i'm sure as the industry adopts more technology as well that actually that's going to become an even more inciting mm-hmm. place for, for 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 those young guys to be joining the great industry that it is now turn to the espresso rounds so okay. the yeah the questions are short sharp and straight to the point so yeah Robert, i know you like your cappuccino are you ready for the espresso round i'm, I'm ready for <laughs> the espresso round yes great stuff the espresso round Robert, what are the characteristics about crawford which makes it such a great place to work at 
Number one, we've got a great purpose, restoring and enhancing lives, businesses, and communities. Number two, we are global, so we can truly offer a global career. Number three, there isn't a job in claims that we don't have somewhere in the industry. And number four, we're building a culture which is unparalleled in the industry. What are the opportunities you can provide to high-performing claims professionals, claims leaders? What are the opportunities that you can provide to them there to help them progress to that next level in their careers? Uh, Number one, I think that we provide an extremely rewarding career, both in terms of financial gains, but also personal satisfaction. Number two, uh, we're building a culture, like I said, which is based on empowerment and growth mindset. So you will be a better executive working at Crawford. And then number three, and finally, we've just built a great team where we don't have to be all alike. We want people to bring their authenticity to work. We're all about diversity and inclusion. And I think what we're doing is, uh, as, as other executives tell me, is unheard of in the industry. Awesome. It sounds like there's some fantastic opportunities, clearly, to work for a market leading organization. But what do you look for? What are the top three skills or behaviors that you demand in the executives that you bring on into the business? Number one, they have to have empathy. We are in the business of claims. When Mm -hmm. people call us, we are um, talking to them probably on one of the worst days of their lives Mm -hmm. that they've had. So I think empathy is extremely important. They can't just be a claim number to us. They just can't be a policyholder to us. They have to be a human being. So that's uh, number one, which is uh, empathy. Second, courage and the ability to act with original thought. I think that is extremely important for an executive. You have to have a belief system. You have to make sure that that belief system is in alignment with our values and be able to act on that belief system with courage. So that's uh, number two. Third is that you have to have some expertise, some level of uh, what I call a spike. Uh, yeah. That could be a spike in, you know, in technical terms. That could be a spike in relationship terms. That could be a spike in analytical terms. But you've got to have some spike which uh, which clearly differentiates you uh, from the rest. And, and, and finally, you have to be someone who is willing to invest in developing people. I think those are the four most important characteristics uh, that we look for. And, uh, and I have a very good friend uh, in, uh, in our organization who's, uh, who shared that some of the same things were the principle that his dad had when he built his business. And that was very reassuring for me to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And no doubt that really helps to build that strong culture being talking about what would you say is the largest challenge you face when attracting new talent to the business and what can be the biggest frustrations with that recruitment process sometimes i think first is that because we've been here for 80 years i think sometimes people think that we are an overly traditional company right so they they kind of come with a mindset that so we have to do a better job in helping people understand and see what the new crawford is all about i think that's um that's a challenge I think second thing that I want to make sure that people have clarity that when they're joining Crawford, what is it that they're getting, right? I mean, yes, um, they're joining a company and they'll have a paycheck, but what is it as becoming part of the Crawford family or becoming part of the Crawford workforce or the Crawford citizen? What is it that they gain? And and I think those are kind of things that from a communication uh, and value proposition for our employee standpoint, we have to have more clarity uh, during the recruiting process. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully tools like this podcast can help to get that, yes, that yes. word out there to the Rohit, which is, yeah, which is great. We're almost at the end of the espresso round, but one final question. If there are any insurance executives out there in the United States at the moment considering their next opportunity, what would your advice be to them? 
my advice to them, first, um, build a network. Just yeah. you know, keep expanding your network. I think that's the most important thing. I always say that your best success comes from places where there are individuals who are your sponsors. Mm. Um, you know, I have uh, followed that advice in my career. Every time that I've moved or taken up a role, um, I've made sure that there's a sponsor for me in the organization because you need that sponsor. You need that sponsor as your navigator. You need that sponsor as your guide and, uh, and also to have sometimes honest conversations with you when, when you need them. So I think that's, uh, so building that network and having sponsors in the organization is extremely important. I think the second thing is having real clarity on what your value proposition is, right? What is your brand? What would you bring? And it's not about, sometimes I think people put over emphasis on that. These are the five things that I've done. Mm. The question isn't what are the five things you have done? The question is by joining this organization, what do you expect to achieve for the organization? And having that clarity of thought, I think is very important. Oftentimes when I'm recruiting executives, I actually have them write a paper or a viewpoint of an outside-in perspective. Like, you know, what do you think you're going to bring to this role and what would you accomplish? Mm -hmm. uh, what would your vision be? And I know that, that they don't know the organization as well, that their view is completely outside-in, but I'm looking for clarity of that thought process as opposed to the specifics of the actions. Clarity of that thought process and the and that vision, that overall vision that they have. So much better way of looking at things rather than looking back at past achievements. So yes. Rohit, we've almost reached the end of our time together today. Time has flown very quickly indeed. Before we go though, do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners? And should anyone want to reach out to you after the show, how would they go about doing that? I am very active on LinkedIn, so they can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. I would uh, I would love to hear from from your listeners. I feel like uh, by talking to people, I'm always learning something something new. I think um, one piece of advice I would say: you know, do great work, and make sure people know that you're doing great work. Uh, because I think when you do great work in isolation and no one knows it, uh, it doesn't help you get the recognition that you're looking for. So it's important that when you do great work, people know that you're doing great work. You don't have to be pompous about it. You just have to make sure that the right people are aware. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, that, I think that's fantastic advice, especially for those people now at the moment climbing the trajectory in their career path. Yeah. Make yourself known, take on those roles, take on those projects and really put yourself out there, out of that conversation and let people know yeah. you're doing it. So brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Because I think sometimes, and I've had this conversation with many people who say, look, I'm mm. doing very good work and people should just mm. notice that. And you know, they may not. So yeah. instead of you waiting for people to notice that you're doing great work, I think you have to go tell people. And I think that is that is extremely important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Robert, thank you so much for your time today. Um, like I said, I can't believe how quickly the time's gone, but um, uh, it's been really interesting. Great to hear about the culture and all the things you're doing there at Crawford. And also thank you for sharing with us about your background as well. Thank you, Nick. It was an absolute pleasure and I enjoyed the conversation a lot as well. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And to all the insurance business leaders out there, wherever you're listening in the world today, we thank you for tuning in. I'm sure you would have gained a lot of great learnings and insight from what Roets had to say today. If you did enjoy the show, please remember to download and subscribe to the pod to receive each one of our episodes directly into your app each week. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or I'd like to learn more about the competitive advantage that podcasts can give to your business when attracting talent, please reach out to us at insurance-search.com or drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until next time, I've been Nick Codley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global Insure Tech Series. Take care. 
You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.